I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Up next, The Truth with Lisa Booth, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. So we live in a bizarro world. Everyone's gone mad. People have literally gone insane. We've seen the CDC recently just casually drop truth bombs that you weren't allowed to say a year ago, a few months ago, after you know destroying all these lives. And like peak insanity of it is we've recently found out, I mean, we've known this, but they've recently admitted that you have almost 80% of the people who were hospitalized, placed on a ventilator or died from COVID or overweight. Yet you had the media like peddling and pushing Krispy Kreme, giving out free donuts to get a vaccine. I think it was like cheeseburgers or hamburgers in New York City, which pretty much summarizes how dumb the past two years have been. But even more than that, it's like this elitism thing where they just don't care. They don't care about the carnage that they've done. They don't care about how much harm they've caused, like, real Americans. So today we're going to get to heart, the heart of all of it and some common sense and some laughs and some levity with Daniel Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy. I don't know if you've all been following him on Twitter, but I have. He's been dropping truth bombs left and right, making fun of these people, calling attention to the insanity of all of it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to make fun of all of them. We're going to laugh. We're going to mock these idiots in charge with Daniel Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy. We're also going to talk about his work. We're going to talk about the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. We're going to talk about what it is like to sit in that chair on Comedy Central and just get roasted. So a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, and a lot of levity. Stay tuned for Daniel Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. So I'm sure everyone has noticed, but basically the world's insane. Everyone's lost their mind. Nobody knows how to reason anymore. There's no common sense. So I wanted to bring someone on the podcast this week to bring some levity to the situation. Someone who is hilarious, but also very wise in common sense. If you follow him on Twitter, he makes a lot more sense than a lot of the public health official and the crazy people have been guiding us over the past couple of years. Uh, so Larry, the cable guy. Daniel Whitney, otherwise known as Larry the Cable Guy. You know, Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, so good to have you. Well, yeah, thanks for asking me to come on. I, I apologize. I'm in my car right now because I got my time zone screwed up. But, uh, no, <laughs> I'm happy to be on with you. Thank you. Also, are we close enough for me to call you Dan? Are we, is that? Uh, Absolutely. You- <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's the, cra- that's the crazy thing about my whole career, you know. Um I'm a kid, you know, I'm I'm a, a, in that long line of uh, one-liner character comedians. And uh, I did a bunch of characters. Uh, but the Larry the Cable Guy thing just took off. And just real briefly, I'll tell you, I was working on this character way back in the late 80s, the early 90s. And uh, I'll tell you who gave me incentive to keep doing it. I got off stage one night at the Comedy Corner in West Palm Beach, Florida, 
doing the character and just so happened to work that week. They were co-headlining was David Spade and Rob Schneider from Saturday Night Live. And both of them came up to me and said, man, damn, you got to keep doing that. That's hilarious. That's like a Saturday Night Live character. That was so funny. And I was just blown away by it because those guys were on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, and so I did. I just kept working on it. And I'm friends with those guys uh, today. And uh, so it's just crazy. So everything I uh, did from that point on, it became it just became this uh, huge deal. And, you know, we had merchandise and all kinds of stuff. And there were times when I said, it's like when I did the Pixar stuff and when I did Mater, I was like, you know, I'd like to do this as myself, as Dan Whitney. And then my management would always go, no, man, Larry, the cable guy's a brand. It's a brand. You've got a whole brand. you got to keep it in the brand. And so... So I did. So it's really funny. Now, every time I do something, people are conflicted of what should they call me. <laughs> but I mean, like, but you turned a bit into like a huge thing, right? Like, as you mentioned, like Mater in Cars, like my producer was like, oh, like my son's like so stoked because he, he knows you from Mater, right? Like you, you've done, I mean, you've had billboards, comedy albums that have certified gold, you know, multiple movies. I mean, you've done the blue collar comedy. I mean, you've done like so much with it. So it's like, I mean, does it kind of blow your mind that you sort of like, you know, kind of came up with this idea, this like character, and then now it sort of morphed into this like monster thing? You talked about like merchandise and like all this other stuff. Yeah. Is that kind of crazy to, you know, sort yeah. of look back on all that? Yeah, it's it's been amazing. I'm very thankful. I, you know, I never expected any of it. I just, I'm like a lot of comedians. You just want you got into the business because you like being funny and you like making people laugh and you just wanted to make a living at it and do something that you loved and anything else that came along was extra and so like all that stuff the movies the books all that stuff just came along I didn't even ask for it I remember when I did my first movie I didn't even know it was for theatrical release till the last week of filming it. You know, I mean, they came to me and said, hey, we want to do a movie. You want to do a movie? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do a movie. That'd be awesome. Well, well, you you should ask what kind of movie, because that could also get you in trouble. Well, it, it, exactly. Well, the first <laughs> movie some, I ever did was else. Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector. And uh, so they got this good. They go, well, we got this movie called The Health Inspector. Larry the Cable Guy is a health inspector. It's a funny script. And so we're thinking about doing some movies with you. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. And they go, um, you want to do it? And I said, well, is it funny? And they go, well, we'll send you the script. And I said, well, did you read the script? And they go, yeah. And I go, is it funny? And they go, yeah, it's hilarious. And I said, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, like, and it, it all worked out. Yeah, most of this stuff I had lived to it anyway. So, but, you know, I've just been very grateful very thankful uh, that people enjoy my sense of humor. And I've always been a fan of one-liner comedians and, and old-time comics. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome. So you left college to try to pursue comedy, right? Yeah, I actually did. You know, I played uh, baseball in college and I wasn't a very good student. I wasn't, you know, I, I enjoyed school because I enjoy people and I was just having fun in college, but I didn't know really what I wanted to do. But I, I set out 
a semester, a, a winter semester, so that I could make money. So this is back when parents actually made um, their kids work for college. <laughs> you know? My, yeah, I actually had to get a job and pay for college. And so I set out and I started working and then I was making good money as a bellhop. And man, I just, I, I, my friends dared me to go on stage one night. I went on stage and I just got hooked. I loved stand up. I loved comedy. And I, I just never went back to school because I kind of figured, man, I really like doing this. And that's when I said, man, if I can make a living doing this, and uh, I'd be happy. So that's why, I, that's when I started doing it. How hard is it? I, I imagine like, cause there's so many people, I mean, it's such a competitive industry, right? Like there's so many improvs, there's so many people trying to get in to make a name of themselves. I imagine it's just got to be like an incredibly tough industry to cut your teeth in and make a name in. How hard is it? Yeah. You know, it, uh, man, it takes a lot of work. It's, it's not, it's changed from today that, than it did when I started, um, uh, you had to do a ton of one-nighters and you had to pack your car. And, and a lot of com- comedians still do that, but, you know, we didn't have those, uh, we didn't have uh, podcasts and we didn't have all these other venues to get your name out. And uh, we had, you either did it two ways. You either just busted your butt on the road constantly or you moved to L.A. and New York and you went up constantly every night hoping that you would be discovered by somebody. Um, I took a more unconventional route where I did not go to L.A. or New York, but I uh, started pushing my character, Larry the Cable Guy, on radio stations all across the country. And so what I did was I just became a part of everyone's everyday routine. Cause back in those days, back in the eighties and the early nineties morning radio, everybody had their favorite morning radio show when they would go to work and come back home and they had those familiar voices. So I became part of everyone's familiar voice on the way to work and the way home from work. And that's what enabled me to, uh, start doing Larry the Cable Guy in comedy clubs in the cities where I was on on the radio and it just became popular that way so I never had to go to LA or New York I did it um, just by merely getting up early every morning at 6 o'clock every morning and uh, going through a Rolodex of of, uh, morning shows across the country that had put me on to do three and a half, four minutes of comedy in the form of a commentary. So how much of like jokes are like you're, you're, you know, kind of just like in the car, you think of something funny, you write it down versus like, you're just on stage and you're like freestyling. Like what, what's sort of that like process like in terms of, you know, coming up with some of these jokes, coming up with some of these bits, what, what does that look like for a comedian? Well, you know, early on, you have a set of jokes that you know are going to work and you try and, but you go up and you have to, you do those every night. You're not comfortable. You haven't done stand up. You're trying to figure it out. But when you get a few jokes that work, obviously you go up and do those and then you try out other material. But the more you do it, it's like Steve Martin said, it takes a good 10 years just to get comfortable with yourself on stage to where you can really let loose. 
And that's pretty much what happened to me. After a while, when you get a pretty good set list down and you're feeling comfortable on stage, that's when you just start tagging jokes and uh, creating material while you're on stage. And uh, so uh, it starts out slow. You know, you bomb a lot and and you get a joke here and a joke there. and, And then... As you continue to do it and time goes on and you get more and more stage time, you get start feeling really comfortable and then the real you starts to show up and and then you can really, really um, na- start to, to write as you're on stage. Um, I'm one of those comics that do that. I know there's some comics that stick to a script, but... Uh, I do a lot of, I definitely do a lot of my writing on stage and adding on to jokes. I'll do a one liner and then I'll follow it up with another punch, another punch and another punch. And, uh, some of those are, uh, you just sit down and think of them and, but a, a majority of them are, you're just in the zone and you're on a roll and man, it just, it just pops in your head and, and you just go with it. How much fun was the blue collar comedy tour? Oh, man, that was probably the greatest thing ever. I mean, those are some of the greatest memories I'll ever have. Um, you know, it's really cool when they started calling us uh, the uh, the uh, redneck, um, uh, oh, uh, rat, the redneck rat pack, you know, because <laughs> it really was. It was like a redneck rat pack, and I don't think there'll ever be anything else to come along like that it it happened uh just at the right time at the at the exact moment it should have happened and uh we just had a blast those are memories that none of us will ever forget and and people always ask will we ever do it again and i gotta be honest i don't know if we ever will do it again because here's the risk you run it was such an awesome it was such an awesome thing to to do and to have that I don't think it can ever be replicated. You know, I mean, you don't want, you want people to remember it for what it was. You don't want to start to do it again. And then people go, ah, it was funny, but boy, back in the day, it was even better. You know, we'd like to avoid those back in the days. (laughs) You know, you don't want that talk. You want to be remembered. Well, no, that's that's totally fair because like I'm watching the like Sex in the City reboot, and it's like nothing. You know, first of all, it's been so long, but it's like it's not. You know, it doesn't capture what like Sex in the City. You know what I mean? So it's like sometimes I think some, like people try to remake stuff, and it's just like you know, like keep the magic how people remember it. You know, like sometimes you don't recreate. You can't recreate magic sometimes. You know. Oh, absolutely. When you, re- when you, it, it's never the same. It's like when they try to recreate TV shows that were classics, they're just not the same. They're funny and there's some good bits in there, but they're not the same. We, we kind of, that, that we, we don't want that to happen. You know, I know I'm not discounting one day when we're all in our seventies, maybe seeing us for a weekend in Vegas as a reunion tour. <laughs> but I mean, but as far as right now, we don't even, uh, we don't even uh, entertain that idea. So what's it like to get roasted? Cause you did, you got roasted in a comedy central. I always like watch those and I wonder what it feels like to be the person who's just getting like, you know, completely blasted by the people around you. What's it? What's it like to be roasted? <laughs> well, number one, you got to have real thick skin, and you got to be able to take a joke, which I can. You know, there's you got if you're going to dish it out, you got to be able to take it, uh, and you got to have thick skin. But it was 
Well, you know, first of all, it was an honor because when I did it, those things were very young. You know, those were just brand new things. And uh, I was able to uh, pick my roasters. There was only three people that were on that dais that I didn't pick that Comedy Central said they had to have. But everybody on there was a friend of mine. And so I knew what was coming. And I remember uh, my buddy, Nick DiPaolo, um, he came up to me, he goes, hey, Dan, he goes, he would, he actually would like, um, is it okay? Here's a joke. I said, Nick, just do. It's a roast, man. I get it. We're buddies, but do what you got to do, man. Just hammer me. It'll be a blast. Just hammer me. And so that's what they did. And it was, look, I knew what it was and, uh, it was, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Now I will say this. I said that my mom's probably going to watch this. So I told everybody, I said, look, Try not to be super dirty because my mom's going to watch this. And so I picked certain people that I knew that wouldn't, you know, but then when they aired it, it was like, oh, it was balls out. So I was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> I better not tell my mom to watch it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, don't, don't watch mom. Actually. never mind. You're like, Remember that thing I told you about? <laughs> you don't need to watch. Because that's, that's why I always, like, wonder, like, if you're ever sitting there and, like, obviously most of it, you're probably like, oh, this is, like, hilarious. You know, you're a comedian, so you dish it out. You, but, like, I'm sure, like, at some point you're probably like, ooh, like, that kind of, like, that hits a little different or I don't know. Like, is there is there ever a time when you're in it where you're like, ooh, like, that like kind of, you know, that, that lands a little tough or anything? Or, or is it just, you know, you, or you just laugh the whole time? You know, I... Man, I'm a, I just see it as, look, I'm a comedian and I can handle it. I mean, if there was something that uh, was intentionally to hurt my feelings, uh, none of them did that. You can tell if they're just up there and they're mad at you. I remember that uh, uh, people, the one that everybody always talked about was when Greg, uh, rest in peace, Greg Giraldo, hammered me really good. But I knew Greg, and I knew that he was going to hammer me like that. And everybody thought those were major insults. And he did say a couple of things uh, where you're like, oh, oh, man, you know. But, you know, he came up to me literally after the roast. And uh, he said, man, Dan, I just want to let you know. He goes, uh, some of those things I said, he goes, uh, he goes, look, I'm not mad at you. He goes, I'm more mad at myself um, because of the time that I've wasted doing certain things and drink. You know, he pretty much opened up to me and said, look, I get it. He goes, am I upset at your success? He goes, absolutely. He goes, not because I don't like you and I don't think you're a good guy. I'm mad at your success because that's the success that I want to have, but I screwed it up doing stupid things. And that's just a nice intimate conversation that I had with him. And he gave me a hug and, and it was, it was good. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was the only thing that, uh, uh, where somebody had said something where people thought, man, he really hates Dan. He really hates Larry, but he doesn't, he didn't hate me. Uh, he was just mad that I was successful because he wanted that as well. And I mean, now nobody really knows those things because those are things that happen afterwards. But um, as far as the roast itself goes, you know, I did it. 
um, because it was, I thought it was an honor. And I think the roast later on got to the point where they did start getting people up there that they just hated and they wanted to hammer them, you know? So it, it's like, uh, uh, what's her name that went up? That was, uh, you know, the political lady, um, uh, you know who I'm talking about, Ann Coulter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just mean. You know, it's like when Ann did it. I didn't find it funny at all. They didn't really like her. And so they, 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 it was just an opportunity to just go up and hammer her. And I think the whole purpose of it was for that. But she wanted to sell that book. You know, she was selling a book, and I get it. But I think those, you know, I think early on, it was a pretty good honor to be able to get one of those. And I don't know. I think later on, it just turned into, I mean, you can only do so many you know, by the way, what can I say on this show? What can't I? <laughs> oh, you can say whatever you want. It's a podcast. So, oh yeah. But you know, there's only so many, there's only so many dick and vagina jokes that you can do, you know, in an hour and a half where at some point you're like, okay, let's get something clever. But it's like, yeah, I feel like sometimes people like with jokes, either sometimes it's like way too vulgar. And I'm just like, I'm kind of, you know, like, it's sort of like, come on, you know, it's kind of like uncomfortable almost. Or like when I went, it was like during Trump stuff. So it was like all basically like anti-Republican, anti-Trump. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, we're not, (laughs) some of us are conservatives here, you know? Like, what what do you think of like today's comedy compared to like, you know, back in the day? Like, how much has it changed? Well, you know, here's the deal. I'm I'm a fan of comedy, and anybody that has a following, they have worked hard to develop that following. So I don't really blast, you know, even comics that I don't like. It's like, hey, man, they're doing stand-up. Somebody must like them. They're selling tickets. Somebody, you know, so I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not one of those ones that tells anybody what to do in their act. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. If they're, I've always been this. If their act offends you, don't go see them. Let the free marketplace decide who's funny and who should be rewarded. I've always been like that. So, I, you know, if they want to bash conservatives all day long, I honestly do not care. I mean, it's none of my business. I'm just not going to go see them. The problem is it's, it's like a one-way street when it comes to that. It's like uh, certain certain jokes now seem to be okay, and other ones aren't okay. And um, they'll let certain comics tell certain jokes, and other comics, instead of just not listening to them and saying, well, that's inappropriate, I'm not going to go see him, they try to force comedy clubs or try to force theaters or try to force people from hiring them because they don't like what they're saying. That's when it goes too far. I I don't want that for anybody. It's like the guy that they said was saying this stuff and he got booted off Saturday night live. And now, you know, it's like, well, you know, let, let the marketplace decide, you know, just let the Saturday night Live is supposed to be a place with all different kinds of humor and they bamboozle everybody. It used to be, um, I, it's just, I've always been a comedian and I've always stuck up for all comedians, whether I like what they're saying, whether I don't like what they're saying, um, 
I'm just not going to be a part of it. I mean, I don't understand why people just can't do that now. They, if they don't like what, and obviously that's coming from, it comes mainly more, I would say from the far left than the far right, because, um, they always try and just, you can't work anymore if you don't, if you continue to tell these jokes, you can't work anymore. And I always say, I don't care. The far right shouldn't be canceling any comedian for what they say. And the far left shouldn't be canceling any comedian for what they say. We live in a free country. Let the free market decide. No, totally agree. But it's like, you know, we watch like SNL and it's like all bashing Republicans and it's like, it's fine. Like I can totally laugh. Like people can make fun of me, whatever. Like I grew up with three brothers. So basically, you know, it's just like a lifetime of like emotional, physical abuse. When you have three brothers, it's like the only girl, you know? So like totally fine with it. Don't care. But it's like, I mean, well, you look at Biden, that's like a target rich environment, you know, but like he basically remains unscathed. I mean, the guy is like essentially independent and it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you think that there would be some jokes there for like SNL that they could cover, you know? Well, there's a ton of Biden jokes there. There's a ton of Biden jokes there, and that's the thing that's very frustrating with the late-night comedians. Um, if you're telling jokes and you're just getting applause and not laughter, you're more of a political pundit than you are a comedian. I mean, Johnny Carson was the best at it. He lamb-blasted everybody. He did a joke about everybody. Uh, and you couldn't really tell which way Johnny leaned. And, um, but, it, you know, here's the thing now, Lisa, that I see. It's almost like Hollywood and the media have their own alternative world where they don't care about this X percentage of the country. It's like they do, it's like the late night shows. As long as they can get their 2.7 or their 3.1 or whatever it is they need to pull in their advertising dollars, as long as they get that percentage, they don't care about anything else. And they will only do jokes that that part of their audience likes. And to hell with everybody else. Don't listen to us. They don't care. They don't care if uh, the right listens to them. They don't need them to stay in business. And when I say it's almost like an alternative world they've created, it's like when you sit down and you watch television. You know, we saw all these commercials around Christmas about now it's time that we finally can get together with family members and we can finally enjoy a Christmas. And you're thinking for the last year and a half, that's all we've been doing is living our life normal. So it's almost like they're only broadcasting for certain areas of the country that buy into everything they're selling. And it's the heck with everybody else when it's like, well, wait a minute. You do realize the majority of the country is living life as normal. Why would you run that commercial? Because they're running those commercials for just those people that they are talking to. They're not. See, I think that's what nails it because it's, it's even like, it's almost moved beyond just like right versus left stuff. Right. Like it's like, it's almost like an elitism 
versus the rest of America thing. And like, there's so many parts of the country, as you pointed out, that are just being left out of the conversation that, you know, that the, like our officials right now don't even care about that the media doesn't even try to speak to that Hollywood doesn't try to speak to. And that's what you spoke to with like the blue collar comedy tour and some of the jokes that you did. So it's like, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that there's like this huge part of the country that is just being left out of the equation right now. Absolutely. And, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's like you can't, like, it really sucks. I used to love watching the shows at night, but you can't even watch them. They literally, they literally don't do one joke about the current president, who is a minefield of comedy entertainment. If, if this was Trump, or this was just some other conservative president that it would be full of sketches and videos and, but nothing, they don't touch any of it. And it's unbelievable. So it just, it just lets you know that they don't, they, they have certain people they want to make happy and the heck with everybody else. They don't care if you believe me, they don't care. They do not care if you don't, as long as they're pulling in the number they need, they don't care. And, uh, I mean, that's the way it is now. That's the way it's going to be. When you watch television, literally all the commercials that are being run, all the advertising that is being run for the most part does not pertain to anybody that I've been hanging out with. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've literally been meeting as families and having dinners together and going out. And I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is crazy, but you know, and it sucks as far as me being a comedian, it's, you know, now you have to like think twice before you do send out a joke. That's a Biden joke for fear that the woke mob is going to jump on you for the joke. And it's, you know, you never used to have to do that. Um, I still send some stuff out that I think is funny. Uh, I'll still do it, but it's like, man, just the fact you have to have that second thought. Um, but like I said, I'm a comedian first. I stick up. I stick up for the business. I stick up, you know, and I'm glad that Bill Maher does that too. I don't agree with a ton of stuff. Bill Maher says, obviously 98% of everything he says, I don't agree with, but I stick up to Bill Maher because Bill Maher is a comedian and he's sticking up for an industry. He is sticking up for comedy and freedom of expression. And that's what comedy is all about. And, and so did Dave Chappelle. I mean, you know, they tried to cancel him. And I think he did the smartest response, which was just not to back down and then to continue to make jokes about it. You know, so, I mean, it's like they, they even came for Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And Chappelle is awesome. He's a super nice guy and he's super way more smarter than I'll ever be. But, you know. I think it's funny, though, when they come out and they go, finally, there's a comedian out there that's actually doing comedy and doesn't care what anybody thinks. Well, let me tell you, there's a lot of them out there that are still doing comedy and don't care what anybody thinks. They're just not getting any press. (laughs) Do you think your character could have taken off today in today's world with just like all this like woke sort of anti blue collar sentiment in the country almost? No. Absolutely not. I mean, that's like, 
that's like saying, can some of these shows from the seventies take off? Can, can you run an all in the family anymore? Of course not. Cause nobody can take a joke. I mean, when my character started, it's evolved so much from what it was. Cause I never thought I'd ever do it on stage. My character was a total, uh, Archie bunker type character that was only for radio and it did social commentaries. So no, I mean, what I used to get away with in the nineties would never ever fly today. So no, I don't believe it would. Um, the jokes, uh, I, I maybe as myself doing the jokes, but I don't, I don't, I, you know what? It's hard to say, but the character itself, no, uh, I can pretty much say that I wouldn't have got the time of day if I started it now. But but it's not like beyond even comedy. I feel like Americans have lost a sense of humor. Like everyone takes themselves so seriously in today's day and age. No one can take a joke. It's like there's such a heaviness yeah, no. to like the country, you right? It's like right. Like when did everyone get so lame? And how did that happen? And why did it happen? Yeah, that's that is the big mystery. You know, God has given everyone a sense of humor because a sense of humor helps you deal with situations and everybody is created with a different sense of humor. Some have the, that's how you develop a following. You know, you have find people that have the same sense of humor that you have. That's why some comics get followed by other people because they have a different sense of humor, but people have just taken their sense of humor and put it in the closet for some reason. And it is really sad that people can't laugh. I just did. I sent out a joke the other day about, um, about, uh, pertaining the, I was eating something about a Costco hot dog. And I say, if you think those people were, you think that people were shocked that they were eating bats in China, I said something about try eating a hot dog at Costco. I think I found ground zero for the next <laughs> pandemic. You know, just it well, it's, it's the next wet market. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that people loved those hot dogs so much, and people were mad at me. They were literally furious that I was making fun of the Costco hot dog. And I'm thinking to myself, holy mackerel, it was just a joke. I'm sure. The hot dog is delicious. That's not the point of the joke. It's it's just a stupid one-liner joke. I mean, it's like, holy mackerel. But they, they really have. People have just gone nuts. Quick commercial break. More with Larry the Cable Guy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Isn't it funny sometimes, like, what ends up, like, setting, right? It's like, you can say all this stuff that, like, you think, like, oh, am I going to get in trouble with this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, surely, you know, people aren't going to love what I'm saying. And then, like, you say something that you think is completely innocuous and, like, you know, you don't even worry about, and then that ends up being, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's like weird sometimes. Like, you know, I work in media, so obviously much different than comedy. I'm not like funny like you, but you're like, sometimes like you'll say something and you're like, you just think it's like completely innocuous. And then like, that's what people get upset about. And you're just like, what? Like, like you were saying, like the hot dog ended up being like the crime, you know, like that's what was offensive is like the, yeah. Absolutely. You never know what, you never know what it's going to be. It's like a, you know, it's like a zit that props up on the face. You have no idea where it's going to pop up. You know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it's just, it's always something, but I gotta, uh, uh, you know, I just don't care and I'm going to do my jokes and until I can't do them anymore and, and I think more people should be like that. Just do your jokes until you can't do them anymore. And, and I mean, hopefully uh, there'll be enough comics that come out and stick up for comedy that we can continue to do what we want to do. You know, they say that that'll never happen here. Comedy will always be, but you know, in Canada, there were two comics that were already fined for, for being offensive in Canada and had to pay money. And and I tell everybody that's all it's until you unless you start sticking up for comics that you don't even like that got in trouble for saying something it's going to come here all it's going to take is for one person to get offended at a comedy club and sue the comedy club and find a judge that agrees 
and the comedy club gets sued and they have to pay money and that's all it's going to take because after that they're going to want well let's hear what you're going to talk about write us a script of what you're saying we don't want to get sued you think i'm kidding but i'm not kidding we are not far from that right now no, I, I don't think you're kidding, and I totally agree. And I, I feel like similarly with media, it's like, okay, you, you can try to moderate everything you say so like you don't risk, you don't increase your risk of being fired or cancellation or canceled. But then it's like, what's the point in doing that, right? Like, why even have a platform then if you're not saying what needs to be said? And like to your point about like what's going on in Australia, just like we're in such dire times, right, as a country, and like where almost truth needs to be out more than ever. And so it's actually like more important than ever, like you said, to just do your job, to just keep making jokes, to not worry about the consequences. And I feel the same with the media is it's just more important than ever to say what needs to be said and to speak the truth. Uh, because to your point, we may not be able to, <laughs> you know, if we don't write that course now, then we might, we might lose that opportunity in the future. Well, absolutely. That's a fact. And that's why as a comedian, I mean, I know about comedy, but that's what comics need to do. Just do what you do and critics be damned, you know, just have some balls and whether you're a political comic or a one-liner comic or a character comic, do what you think is funny. Do what you think is funny. Let the free market decide if they think it's funny as well. I mean, that's that's what you need to do. And it is. You know, we talked about it earlier, but it was it harder for me then to do stand-up than now. How, how hard was it to get started? I would say now comics that already have a following like me, like uh, Chappelle and Bill Burr and all these guys that already have a following, they don't care because they're always going to have a following. People are going to come see them regardless. People are going to book them because they sell tickets. The people that are going to have a hard time are those comics now, the ones that are up and coming, the ones that are trying to get there. I mean, they're, you know, it's going to be harder for them to do jokes, to come up with other jokes because they're going to get shut down. I mean, There'll be certain groups that don't like what they're going to say. And I mean, you know, our, our material, we already got it out there and people know what we're all about and they like it and they think it's funny and they're going to come see us. Uh, the problem now is these comics, uh, can they do the same? Can they, continue to use the same kind of material and build up an act or are they going to be told what they can and cannot say? We weren't really told what we can or cannot say. We said whatever we wanted and developed a following. Now you're being told what you can or cannot say. Anyway, that's what it seems like to me. Well, and, and what's weird too, is it's like, you know, like, so we, I've like retweeted stuff and you've retweeted stuff like with COVID, you know, both on our Twitter. And it's like, first of all, like everyone's gone insane with it. Like you were talking about how they're like, oh, we can finally spend time, you know, we're all like, I, mean, I moved to Miami a year ago. I've been going to like clubs, you know, like I've been living my life. And, but like, what is, what blows my mind is like, so, you know, what, like a year ago, two years ago, you couldn't say, I mean, I said them anyways, but like, you really couldn't say some of these things without condemnation. And now like the CDC is just casually dropping all these truth bombs on the public like there's a difference between going into the hospital with covid from cloth masks don't work if you're obese you, you know like all these things that we've been saying uh but yeah it's like they're we like we may have like destroyed all of your lives for like the past two years but like by the way you're all right you know it's like 
like, what do you even make of that? I mean, isn't it just like, I like, I can't even get over this. It just, it's like, it's mind blowing. It's, it's really crazy. I was laughing about that because it's like anything I ever sent out that I took flack on has happened. <laughs> right. It's but we like, were crazy. That, like, right. They were calling us crazy. We've been right. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's undescribable. I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I, man, I have, I don't know what to say about it. It is, it is just so dumbfounding that, People still, it doesn't matter if it came true. They still, and and I've noticed a lot of this too. It's like uh, when somebody comes out with some information and you're like, wait a minute, maybe this should be examined. It's like when the whole height, it's like when the whole uh, ivermectin thing came out, you know, and uh, well, instead of actually being journalists and going, well, let's see about this. Let's see they attack anybody that brought it up instead of somebody going out and finding information and putting that information out and people that's value valid information. It seems like the person sending out the information starts getting attacked and they don't ever talk about the information, you know? And I think that's why Rogan gets, uh, gets hammered so much because Rogan is actually having people on that are scientists talking about the information and about what this means. It's, uh, they, they always, they always go after the deliverer of the news that they don't like instead of looking at the news. See what I'm saying? No, I totally see what you're saying. And he's smart. Like you were saying, like you are as well. And like Chappelle of like, you know, he doesn't back down. Right. Because like the second, like, if the mob wants to take you town, like the second you give them an inch, they're going to kill you. Right. So it's like, you just, you cannot, you cannot back down. Like you just have to stand tall against them. And then eventually they find like their next target and, and they move along. But yeah, it's like, it just, it just, it blows. And then the thing too is like, I think there's such an elitism with it as well is it's like, even in like our personal, like I'm sure you have like, you know, I've had friends kind of be upset with me, maybe turn their back on me a little bit. Family members get upset. I've lost job opportunities. You know, like you've had these consequences, but there are people who have lost, like, have committed suicide, like overdoses, like, you know, people have lost their life. I mean, there, there are, yeah, like, there's real harm that has been done to, like, so many people. And it's like, they just don't even care. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if they, I think they're just, I think a lot of these people that have been pushing this, that is turning out now to be absolutely wrong information, uh, even CNN now is backtracking and starting to say things that we have all been saying. Um, they're trying to cover themselves. You know, they're, they, they're, uh, they're scared. They don't want that. They just can't admit that they were wrong. They can't admit they're wrong. They cannot admit anything. If they admit they're wrong, uh, then that's coming down on them. So they can't admit it. And it's, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, in India and, and in Africa, these certain parts where they completely are done so well with containing and getting rid of it, but yet nobody's investigating why that is. Why, what did they use? 
what, what it, it's like the, the media just shuts down. They don't investigate any of this stuff. It's like all of these people that all these doctors that came out, uh, some that I know that come out and say, this is what we did. And this helped. This is what we did. And this helped. This is what we did. And this helped. Well, instead of like, man, let's, uh, let's interview them. Let's we're journalists. Let's see what they did. Let's see if there's something to this. Instead of that, they just shun it. And it's like, these guys suck. They're not good doctors. And it's like, well, wait a second. Where does, where does this attitude come from? It's really a bizarre thing. And I, and I remember this a long time ago, March of 2020, CNN had on John Lowenitis, John Lowenitis, and they literally billed him as the most downloaded, the most peer-reviewed epidemiologist in the world, John Lowenitis from Stanford. And you can look him up. And after this interview, you didn't hear from me much anymore. They all said he was a kook and a whack and kind of trying to ruin his life. This is what he said, Lisa, March of 2020. Now that they have information from all around the world, here's what they've, they're concluding. Um, he wasn't sure about the two week. Um, they've never done this before, but since they really didn't have a handle on it, he understood why they did it. Now that we have all this information from around the world, it's not a good idea to do any more lockdowns because lockdowns will cause so much mental problems, drinking problems, drug abuse. We can't keep kids out of school. They're going to fall behind. If we continue to do some sort of a lockdown, this is going to be more harm, way more harm than what we're seen with this. He said, if you are 65 and older and you have secondary third health conditions, this is more dangerous than the flu. And you should uh, be careful and you should be careful going out in public. I would even say if you need to go out and you think you need to wear a mask, wear one. If you're 65 and under, and you are a fairly healthy person, we're finding out that this is equal to or less than the flu, the younger that you get. This is rarely affecting any young people. Anybody 24 and under is pretty much, this isn't affecting. And he went through everything that is happening today. John Lewinanitis said, March of 2020, and he was shunned and ridiculed and now everything he said has come true and that's the problem so he's actually why that's actually why i started this podcast was during the age of covid because i read his op-ed in stat news from stanford and it made so much sense to me and he was really the only one that was making sense at the time and so that that's why I started it because I was like looking around and I'm like, everyone is pushing the extreme in these draconian policies and we have terrible data and no one's trying to get to the truth. And so that's why I wanted to build this podcast was to have a place. Cause I was like, there's so much freaking noise out there in the media. There's so much group think everyone's just following along. It's like, no one's even trying to dig deeper and like get to the truth or even having people like, you know, Dr. Enidis on who's a freaking, you know, an expert in this, right? Like no one's even trying to give him a platform. And so that's why I wanted this podcast was to really like build a place to have some of these conversations that you can't have elsewhere. 
and to dig deeper than like all the group think and all the noise that was going on. And it, it like, and you're right. His op-ed is like, he, he's still right. Like everything he wrote back then held true to, and like, what's, what's insane about all this stuff too, is you tweeted about this um, recently. I saw one of your tweets about like, okay, so basically the CDC just said that um, what I think it's like almost 80% of the people who were hospitalized, placed on a vent or died from COVID-19 were overweight. Yet like, we you, media was like pushing free Krispy Kreme donuts to like go out and get vaccinated. You had like this it, places in California filled skate parks of sand. Like we, you know, we pushed all this body positivity. It's like it like we, we literally live in an, an insane like it's insane. We live in an insane world. There's another thing I sent out uh, from uh, it was from uh, I can't remember what country it was. It was from uh uh, one of the South American countries, but anyway, send uh, somewhere anyway. But they they were running commercials, and I said, "How come we're not running these commercials?" And it and it was a whole commercial about uh, we care about our citizens, and in order to fight COVID, we need to have a healthy country. We encourage you to get outside, get fresh air. Um, eat the right foods, eat that, you know, and they were showing the get a nice diet, get a good workout plan, go to the gym. It was a whole thing about getting in shape, getting fresh air, getting your body moving. And guess what? Uh, social media took it off. Social media took off a commercial about getting in shape and bettering yourself. And people wonder why we're so hesitant for this or why do we question that? I'll tell you why, because of crap like that, because that's exactly why it's everything's being questioned because of that kind of crap. And then they wonder why people are hesitant to take a vaccine. I'll tell you why they're hesitant to take the vaccine, because the news media did nothing but demonize the vaccine for for seven months until Trump got out of office. And then all of a sudden, it was the greatest vaccine on the planet. Well, you can't, for seven months, demonize something, saying something might kill you. I don't trust something that's rushed like this. Never have we ever done this before. I don't trust this. And then two weeks later, after your guy gets in office, tell everybody, oh, it's safe. You're an idiot if you don't take it. I mean, it's it's a loony bin we're living in. Well, and then it's also they're like, oh, you can't have questions. But then previously they're like, if you get the vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. And then obviously that's not happening because everyone's getting COVID regardless if you're vaccinated or not. And then you have the head of Pfizer basically just recently said like two doses doesn't really do anything. You need to do three. So it's like, so, but then they're simultaneously being like, you can't ask questions. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, first of all, like, you know, you said this one thing that hasn't held up. Now you've got the, you know, you know what I mean? Like you have all this contradictory information and then they're just like, shut up and get it. And, I'm, and then like, you know, don't ask questions. And I'm like, no, like, wait a minute. Yeah, of course I'm going to ask questions because you people keep lying to me and you keep lying to the public. And then you don't even care about the damage and the carnage you're creating in the process. So like, you know what, go after yourself. I'm not going to get it. No, absolutely. It's absolutely insane that they think, uh, I don't understand why people are so because 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 you're you're banning um, you're banning very knowledgeable epidemiologists that have just as many credits as Fauci from the Internet. You're taking them off YouTube. Uh, you're you're banning anybody that has a dissenting opinion that are just as smart as the other guy. It's like, look, 
uh, we've tried what this guy's selling. It ain't working. Maybe we should try one of these other guys' ideas that you keep banning. And the more you ban, the more people are going to be hesitant. And the more people are going to be questioning, the more you ban. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think more and more people are starting to catch on to this thing. I think they forget there's a YouTube out there. And I think they forget that people, uh, there's, we've been talking about nothing for the last two years. So we remember two years ago, what you said, and it's not happening. And now you're changing what you said two years ago and saying, you didn't say it when you did say it. Um, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, oh my gosh, it's just, I try not to, I, I, I try to live my life and just, I turn off news and I, I think, you know, I, I, it's just, oh my gosh, here's what they should have done. Lisa, you're giving me a heart attack. Here's what they shouldn't <laughs> my, my stress levels going through the roof. Here's what they should have done. What they're doing in Florida. If you if you don't feel safe, then by all means, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable, feel comfortable. If you're comfortable, if you want to get a vaccine, get the vaccine. Talk to your doctor, see what he thinks, um, lay it out. It, we're going to leave all this up to you guys, because obviously, um, uh, obviously, um, uh, if. Uh, you get this 99.7% of you are going to be completely fine. Most of you aren't even going to know you have it. Um, so you do what you feel best that you need to do. But one thing you don't want to do is divide the country over stupid stuff. Obviously masks don't work. They don't work. If they work, if they worked right, things would be going down. Things would be, so they don't work. So why don't you give people the choice? You know, you're in Florida. I got a place in Florida. I go to Florida a lot and it's a whole different world. Nobody's at each other's throats. If people want to wear a mask, nobody's yelling at them if they want to wear a mask. But the difference is nobody's being forced to do it and people are getting along. And so anywhere you're getting forced to do it, you're having people at each other's throats and it's doing nothing but dividing the country and um, over something that doesn't work. I got to tell you, though, like um, I just had COVID and um, like a few weeks ago. And when I got it, I was like, just don't die because there is way too many people that would be like dancing on my grave. So I was like, just you cannot die. No, no. <laughs> Fortunately, I was fine. No, I'm, I'm well, healthy again. Exactly. But yeah, I was like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> I know that would be horrible. And I'd be one of the ones going, damn you, damn you, Lisa. Why did you shut up? But it seems like, here's the thing, Lucy, just, uh, look, I'm just living my life. I, I want what's best for my family and kids. I'm not, I'm not dictating anybody do anything. But just in your normal life and what you hear on TV and the news and, and what you see are two different things. They're two different things. And so, you know, I'm going by what my doctors say, and I'm going by what I see in real life, um, you know, and that's, that's the only thing I can do. You know, I know this, I know that I had COVID and um, I know that I've never gotten it again. And I know a bunch of people that have gotten vaccinated and, Every one of them got COVID. <laughs> I, I, 
I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense what's happening. It makes no sense. So I think we would get along so much better if they didn't dictate what you do with your health and you leave it up to that person's individual safety, leave the kids' uh, personal stuff up to their parents and their doctors. I think I think if we did exactly what they're doing in Florida, uh, everyone would get along so much better and you would see a lot of things. Uh, I think this might be it. I heard a thing today where... Um, he was coming out of Israel or the UK or said something that Omicron is a good thing. This means it's the end of it. It's, it's more contagious, but it's way less. I mean, it's way less uh, deadly than anything. I mean, it's like a cold and they said, they think it's going to peak in three weeks and that's going to be the end of it. It's going to, it's, it's literally acting like a normal flu season. I hope so, because I'm just I'm tired of all the crazy. I'm tired of all the lectures. I mean, I think there needs to be like retribution for all the damage done and the people who've lied and stuff. But like, I'm just so ready to like, I'm tired of just all the crazy that has come over the past two years. Like, I just I want and I feel like some of some people I know that have been like more kind of crazy about it. They're starting to like realize, I think, that uh, basically everyone's going to get covid and there's not much you can do, so you just got to live your life. No, exactly. And, you know, it's like you said earlier, we both read the same guy, John Lewin and I just, he told us exactly what's going to happen and how to deal with it and the outcome of it. And everything he said has come true. And you're right. Everybody's going to get it. It's it, He was exactly right in his diagnosis of what it was. So we're going to have to live with it. And the one thing we don't want to do is end our country over it. I mean, to, to make people lose jobs and, 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 and ruin your kids and, and all these mental problems. You definitely don't want to do that, but you said you hope there's some retribution and some people pay. They're not, I, have, I don't think it's going to happen because they'll pass the blame, they'll pass the buck, they'll blame it on somebody else. These people that are in charge right now don't give a shit. Uh, they will pass the buck. They will pass them. They're already starting to change their narratives, and uh, nobody's gonna. Nobody is gonna have any any any. Uh, they're not. Nobody's gonna get in trouble for any of it. It's it's just gonna pass, and then they're gonna be on to something else, and then the media will create some other little thing that everybody's gonna pay attention to, and then all this will blow over just like everything else, and people will forget about it. I mean, I hope not. I believe me, I hope not. Somebody better pay for this uh, because every decision they've made is wrong. Every decision these leaders have made with the lockdowns and people losing their jobs, they're responsible for every one of these suicides and all of this. And I'm with you. I hope there's retribution and they pay and they get caught and they have to answer for their bullshit uh, uh, bad diagnoses, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, and too, like one thing that annoys me is like, there are like somehow if you're against lockdowns, you're against all these draconian policies, like you don't care about like protecting grandma. That didn't work. Like we did all these things and we had grandma still, you know, we still had a, a significant loss of life, even more under, you know, Biden than we did even under Trump during all of this. So we still had a significant loss of life. And then you, you had the added loss of suicides and all the unnecessary carnage that came on top of it. So it's like, no, actually you're the one that is 
because not only were the elderly still put at risk, but we've also done all this additional carnage. So, but it, anyways, b- before we go, I wanted to get you on, on Bob Saget because you, you, I saw your tweet, you tweeted that you, you hung out with him one night at the Orlando uh, Improv. You know, what was that night like and, and what was he like? No, he, you know what, he was just super nice. I, I uh, went down, I did a guest set. I had, I was working up some jokes for an album that I was doing and he was working there that night. So I, uh, they, I, uh, they asked Bob, they said that I was going to come down, wanted to come down and try us. He said, Oh yeah, man, I didn't come down. I'd love to see him and he can have as much time as he wants. So, you know, he actually gave me 20 minutes of his time Though my wife and I went down, went backstage and we just talked about comedy and talked about life and comic friends that we knew. And he was delightful. He was funny. He was very nice, very complimentary of me. I was very complimentary of him, you know, cause he's like one of those guys you grew up with. He was Mr. Entertainment, you know, he did, uh, he's been on the, the, the home videos and then the, 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 the full house. So he's been around forever and he was just fun to talk to. You know, I like talking to guys like that. He was like a legend. He'd been around forever and did so many things and was well liked, but it was just a fun night. It was just, uh, I was there for a couple of hours and he was very cordial, very nice. And, and we had a really nice time. And of course that's the last time I ever got to work with him or see him, but it was just a fun memory. Cause he was, you know, he's a big time. He was a big time comic. He was, he was, uh, he was, he's one of the legends. So it was just, it's fun to be able to hang out with those guys and pick their brain. But he was honestly, always, everybody always says, oh, he's just that he really was. I mean, it's like if he did something goofy, I'd tell you, but he was super nice. Well, you are a legend too, Daniel Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy. Thanks so much for joining the show. This was really fun. We'll have to do it again. Well, I appreciate you getting my blood pressure up. I was doing good until we started talking about all this other stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was prepared. I was prepared for it, but no, I'll be all right. I'll go have a. I'll go have a uh, salad. I'll be fine. Trying to lose weight. Sorry about that. Well, I appreciate you joining the show. I'm taking the advice of other countries other than America telling me I need to start to lose some weight if I want to beat COVID. So that's what I'm doing. Unlike, you know, Blasio telling me to come get a cheeseburger for a yeah, go, <laughs> cheeseburger or donut. So smart. That, that I mean, that really is like America's response to COVID, right? Like that, that just that summarizes how dumb it's all been. It's so ridiculous. It really is. It's cartoonish when you think about it, you know, obese people are dying of COVID. So in order to entice you to get a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, um, come get a cheeseburger and a hot dog, which is one of the reasons why you're getting COVID because you're fat. I think we, we, we've, we've cracked the nut. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's also stupid. But uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate your time. You got it. Hey, listen, and I appreciate you too for standing your ground and being another voice out there, you know, in media. It's, it's really awesome. And I know you're catching a lot of flack for it, but we do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That means a lot. Really means a lot. Thank you. I got to do this one time. Get it done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for asking me. I want to thank Daniel Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy again for such a funny interview. It was so nice to kind of like just do something different, laugh, make fun of all the idiots in charge. 
And I want to thank you guys at home for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Lisa Marie Booth. I want to thank our team, producer John Cassio, and our executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 network and team. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.